Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, John the Baptist also saw clearly, he realized that any power that a person has has come from God. And he spoke about that in John 3.27, John the Baptist in John 3.27, where it says, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it were given him from heaven. And there were those in the lifetime of the Lord Jesus who wanted to have power to kill him, several instances. And they tried. And just one of those instances is recorded in John 7.30. John 7.30 where it says, they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. They weren't given. The reason why they couldn't kill the Lord Jesus was because power was not given to them to, to do that because it wasn't the correct time. So, Here's the situation with verse 5 here, Matthew 4, 5. Here's the situation with verse 5. We look at, at verse 5 where the devil's transporting the Lord Jesus into Jerusalem and putting him on this pinnacle of the temple, and we say, oh, the devil, oh, the devil, he's so powerful. And really, honestly speaking, too much is made of the devil. He's overrated. He's overrated because he, he's given way too much attention. You know, on the power of the occult. Ooh, what's he doing? You know, the power of Ouija boards. Ooh, something happened, you know. I mean, the devil and the demons have no power except that God gives it to them. So this answers, this answers this, the, the next question from verse 5, and that's, this question is, why? Why? Okay, so the power came from God. Why? Why did God allow, give power to Satan? to transport him into Jerusalem? Why did God give power to Satan to put him on the pinnacle of the temple? And then kind of following this question comes the next question is, why is the Lord so passive with all this? Why why don't we just say, well, he took him from the wilderness to Jerusalem, put him on high power, and and it just looks like the Lord's like, well, okay, whatever, what's next? You know, why does he appear so passive? Why is he so submissive while he's being transported by Satan into Jerusalem and placed on the pinnacle of the temple. Why didn't the Lord resist Satan? Why don't we read something like the Lord said, you're taking me nowhere, Satan. Get thee behind me. Well, the answer to that question, and, and really this goes back to the beginning of the chapter, the beginning of the chapter, also a disturbing verse in verse 1, where when it says, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Okay, so this is the answer. The answer to the question is because the Lord realized that it was the Holy Spirit who led him 
into the desert there to be tempted of the devil. And so the answer to the question is, is because the Lord realized that Satan had been given this power to transport him, this power to set him here on this pinnacle. And so this is why he is submitting to Satan's power to transport him and set him there. He's re- because he's really submitting to the power of God, to the power that God gave to Satan. And this answers the question with, that we, we look at in, in Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, 7, where we read about his response to being crucified. In Isaiah 53, it's a sacrifice chapter. Anyway, it says in Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opens not his mouth. You know, we read that and we say, why? Why is he so submissive? Why? This is a description of the Lord during his mock trial, which was so unjust, and his crucifixion, which was so unfair, and he's silent. He's silent during all the injustice of it all. He's silent during the, all the, the, the unfairness of the execution. And the reason he was silent is because he saw that power was given to the Sanhedrin to conduct this mock trial. And power was given to Pilate to, to order his torture and, and death on the cross. And power was given to the soldiers to rip the flesh off his back and torture and so forth. So during it all, that's what he kept his eyes on. That's what the Lord Jesus kept his eyes on. While all this is going on, he was committing himself to God, seeing that, they, that power was given to all of his enemies, just like it's described in 1 Peter 2.22. 1 Peter 2.22 talks about his response. It says in 1 Peter 2.22, He did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Now, this is where it comes back and gets personal with us. Because sometimes we're treated so unfairly and so many injustices are, 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 are done against us that we want to lash out with our, you can't do that to me. I'll resist you. I'll sue you. There you go. I will fill in the blank. And that's the time when we have to realize that all the power that others have to be unfair and to be unjust against it, it's all given to them by God. It's all given to them by God. And that's the time for us to emulate or copy the response of the Lord Jesus when the power of Satan is, was against him, when the power of Satan comes against us. And, and in verse 5, then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. Now, there's another characteristic which is interesting here of the Lord uh, during this time for us to copy, for us to emulate. I mean, he, he, here was the Lord in the, in the, in the desert there, you know, alone, isolated, separated from... Uh, and, and he's brought into Jerusalem, and he's put in the temple on the highest point of the temple. So he, he kinda, we have to imagine the excitement of it all. I mean, from the nothingness happening in the wilderness to the capital in Jerusalem, with all the excitement at, at the temple, the most admired structure among the people, the temple, and not just any place in the temple, the highest point of the temple. So there's a lot of excitement here. And, and we see how in, in the Lord is remaining calm. He's not getting all wound up. 
you know, but he's remaining calm. He's collected. You know, fanaticism mistakes excitement for spirituality. You know, fanaticism, it, it mistakes jumping up and down and falling over with being filled with the Spirit of God. But that's not what we see the Lord here. The Lord is very calm during all this excitement that's going on. Now, devil sets him on the pinnacle, the temple. He's up there at the highest point. And he puts him on the highest point, And then he suggests to him, jump. Jump. Why don't you jump? Why don't you jump? You ever been on top of like of a cliff or a high point, a tall bridge, and suddenly this suggestion comes, I dare you to jump. What would it be like if you jumped? I, I know you don't have that. Okay, that, anyway. But, all right. Uh, I, I need therapy, I know that. Anyway, but that urge comes from the devil. That urge comes from the devil. Well, this was a temptation of the Lord, for the Lord. And the reason for this temptation, what was the reason for it? Well, because um, the devil knew that, that the, the Lord was on a mission. He was on a mission. And the mission that God the Father had given to him was um, Isaiah 49.5. Isaiah 49.5 gives us the mission that, very simple, the mission that God the Father gave to God the Son when he left heaven. It says in, in, in Isaiah 49.5, And now saith the Lord that formed me, so this is God the Father speaking to the Lord Jesus Christ. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. To bring Jacob again to him. See, that's very simply put. That's the mission that God the Father says, okay, you're going to go to earth, and you're going to be formed in the womb, and you're going to be my servant, and your life work, your life mission is to bring Jacob again to me. Okay. So when the Lord Jesus looked at his life, as a man, he saw that I've been, I'm, a, I'm a man. I was formed from the womb to be God's servant with the key purpose to bring Jacob again to him. Now, more than anything else in life, the Lord Jesus wanted to please the Father. That's what he wanted to do more than anything else. He said that in John 8.29. John 8.29, when he's speaking to others, he said, He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. I do always those things that please him. That's what he wanted to do in life. Always those things that please him. You want to know what does the Father want? I want to do that. Father wants me to bring Jacob and bend to him. I want to do that. So the Lord Jesus wants to please the Father. He's left heaven to become a man. You can imagine the, the Father you know, saying to the, to, to, to the Son, Son, the Lord Jesus, Son, bring Jacob back to me again. Son, bring the Jewish people back to me again. You can imagine this. And when the Lord Jesus leaves heaven, it's like this mission is ringing in his ears. I must bring the Jewish people back to God again. That's why I'm being sent to earth. And when it was suggested to him that, you know, maybe you should turn and go to the Gentiles, he replies in Matthew 15, 24, Matthew 15, 24. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So well, the problem was that it was in John 1.11. John 1.11 where it says, He came unto his own, the Jewish people, he came and his own received him not. They said, thanks but no thanks. So, so the Jewish people did not receive him. They didn't listen to him. And the response of the Jewish people was very simply put in Isaiah 53.3. 3, 
Isaiah 53.3, where it just says that he, he was despised and rejected. That's all. He was despised and rejected of men. We, we esteemed him not. And, and this broke his heart. This broke the heart of the Lord Jesus. And the devil knew that. So, hey, here was a city, Jerusalem, the capital of the Jewish people. Hey, here was a place, the temple, the most admired structure of the Jewish people. And hey, here was a spot, the pinnacle of the temple, the highest point of the temple. I mean, this is like center stage for the Jewish people. And here was a temptation. Look, here you are. You're in the place, the most admired place of the Jewish people. You are now at the highest point of the most admired place. And just think of what would happen if you just came flying down through the air from the highest point of the temple and you land safely. Then all the Jewish people are going to realize, oh, you're God. You're God the Son. You're the Messiah. And all the people are going to admire you. All the people are going to receive you. All the people are going to listen to you. And then you can bring the Jewish people back to God because that's the biggest thing on your heart is to fulfill the mission. So all you got to do is just jump. Just jump. Now, that was a temptation. And that temptation appealed to his pride. It's the pride to be admired, the pride to be honored by the Jewish people. That was a temptation of the pride of life, the pride of life. The first temptation was food, flesh. That was a temptation of the lust of the flesh. Now, verse 5 of transporting the Lord to the temple and putting the Lord on this highest point was all done so quickly. It was like, you know, it was like, I don't know how long it took. Boom, boom, all of a sudden he's there. And that suddenness was also part of the temptation because, you know, it was like he, the, the devil could also come along and say, look how suddenly you're here in the temple. You just fit right into Malachi 3.1, you know, where it says, Behold, I'll send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. So look, he said, the devil's saying, the devil's saying, look, if you just appear and jump, then you'll be seen as the fulfillment. You'll be seen as the messenger of Malachi 3.11 with the suddenness you come to the temple. Okay, that's the temptation. This uh, temptation, when it says in Matthew 4.3, Matthew 4, 3, the first temptation. When the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. So this is something that's being hurled at the Lord in the form of a doubt. Are you really God the Son? Oh, you don't look like God the Son. You're sitting here starving to death in the desert. I don't think you're God. You need to prove it. You need to prove it. I dare you. If you really are God the Son... You're hungry, aren't you? Turn those stones into bread. Go ahead. You're all alone. No one will know. It's a temptation for the Lord when he's all alone. You're all alone. No one's going to know. Like the woman that's, that, that Scott, down on Mission Gorge Road, tried to help that rainy night, her broken car, and the woman gets in, the car, in Scott's car, and the woman propositions Scott. And says, come out of this hotel and so forth. And the woman says to Scott, no one will know. <laughs> and Scott says, God will know. <laughs> so, okay. so here's the devil. He's in the wilderness, and the Lord's all alone, and the Lord knew God's going to know if I turn it into bread. Now, that was the first temptation. But the second temptation is very public. And again, though the same doubt is hurled by Satan 
to the Lord in verse 6. In verse 6, he saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. Are you really God the Son? I don't think so. I mean, are you really? Just prove it. Jump. Jump. You'll land safely on the ground. Isn't it interesting that in both cases, the first temptation and the second temptation, that the deity of the Lord is being challenged with the same doubt of, are you really the Son of God? If thou be the Son of God? You know, of all the doctrines, the truths about the Lord Jesus, the one that's challenged the most is the deity of the Lord Jesus, the fact that he's God. Jehovah Witnesses challenge the deity of the Lord Jesus by saying that he's not God. This is what the Bible teaches. Here's God, here's Jesus, here's the Lord Jesus, he's God, and here's man. That's what the Bible says. And Jehovah Witness said, oh no, bring him down to this level. He's just a man. See? And, and, and it's challenging his deity. Bring it down. That's direct. No, he's not God. This is not God. Mormons do the same thing, but it's indirect. They say, oh, no. Mormons say, oh, we're all God. That's what Mormons do, see? This is true. This is Jehovah Witness. This is Mormon. Okay. All challenge. So, Satan, he puts the Lord on the highest point of the temple. It's kind of interesting. He puts him on the highest point of the temple, and it's, it's, it's kind of like a deja vu for, for, for Satan from Isaiah 14, 13. Isaiah 14, 13, where it was said about Satan, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. Satan wanted to be at the highest point. That's what he wanted. So Satan puts the Lord at the highest point of the temple, and then he commands him. But and he gets him up there, the highest point, and, and then he says, verse 6, cast thyself down. Now, isn't that scene so typical of Satan? Satan, in verse 5, sets him on the pinnacle of the temple, and verse 6 says, cast thyself down. It's very typical of Satan. Satan fell by pride and arrogance, and now he's seeking to get others to do the same thing, to fall by pride and arrogance. You know, Satan raises a person up in pride for one purpose, and then that purpose is that he might cast him down. God does just the opposite. God casts a person down into humility so that he can raise him up. Okay, so Satan, he wants to exalt this person. Because Satan knows in Proverbs 16, 18, he says, pride goeth before destruction. And, and, and God says in 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. For whosoever, in, in Luke 14, 11, Luke 14, 11, for whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, but he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And when he was talking about the, the difference between the publican and the Pharisee, he said in Luke 18, 14, Luke 18, 14, I tell you, the Lord Jesus said, this man, the publican who beat his chest, said, I'm a sinner. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Okay, now, in both the first and the second temptations, there's a definite position that Satan has put himself in. And it's seen in verse 3, 
and it's seen in verse 6. Verse 3, it's, he, Satan says, command that these stones be made bread. Verse 6, Satan says, cast thyself down. Now, in both of these statements, the devil is not saying, why don't you consider turning these stones into bread? You know, maybe you should think about casting yourself down. No, no, it's not that. These are definite commands in verse 3. Command. I command you to command that these stones be bread. Verse 6. Cast thyself. I command you to cast yourself down. And what he's doing here is he's giving orders to the Lord Jesus. And if the Lord Jesus had obeyed these orders, then he would have accomplished his goal. Satan would have accomplished his goal, which was from what we saw in Isaiah 14, 13. Isaiah 14, 13. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit and so forth. I will ascend. I will ascend. So if the Lord had done that, then Satan, what Satan commanded him to do, then Satan would have said, I did it. I finally did it. I accomplished it. I exalted myself above God, and I ordered, and he obeyed me. That was his goal. Now, we've seen that God gives to the devil limited power. Not absolute power. Limited power. In other words, God limits the devil what he, for what he can do and what he cannot do. And he sets definite limits. And the Bible talks about those limits in the um, analogy, or the scene, or whatever you want to call it, of where God sets the limits to the waves. It says in Job 38.11, Job 38.11, Job 38.11, and said, Hither, talking about waves, hitherto shalt thou come, but no further, and here shall thy proud waves be stayed. And it's interesting, you, you go out to a seashore, the Pacific Ocean, you know, but, but anyway, you go out to the seashore, and you see out there this, this wave, this swell forming. It gets bigger and bigger. It looks greater and greater. And you're just standing there at the edge, you know, on the sand. And it looks like this is going to be a tsunami. It's going to destroy me. And as it builds and it crests and it breaks and it roars. And, and you're standing there. And then all of a sudden it just stops. It comes right to your feet there. It stops. And, so first, and that's, that's a picture of God's limited power that he gives to the devil. God says, that's as far as you can go. You can't go any further. And we can see this limited power that, 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 that God gives the devil in verse 6 when the devil says in verse 6 to the Lord Jesus, cast thyself down. So in that statement, I mean, the devil clearly wanted Jesus to fall from the highest point to be destroyed. I mean, he was thinking to himself, you know, boy, if I can get him destroyed now, I mean, he, he knew that the Lord was on a mission to destroy Satan at the cross. And so Satan says, boy, if I can get him, I, I, I can stop the cross. I mean, he'll destroy himself. I'll get him to destroy himself. So that's why in verse 5, the, the Satan, he, he's got all this power to, to transport in Jerusalem and so forth. But though at this point, he had transported the Lord in Jerusalem. He had set him on this highest point there. And that was the point where Satan reached the limit of his power. That was the point where, of the wave saying, this far and no further. He wants him, he, Satan wants the Lord Jesus to fall from that point, be killed. But Satan could not push him over. Transport to Jerusalem, yes. Set him on the pinnacle, the, the temple's pinnacle, yes. Push him off the pinnacle, no. And just think of the Lord Jesus as he's experiencing, he's experiencing the power of the devil that he had 
from God against him. The Lord Jesus experienced Satan's power to transport him in Jerusalem. And the Lord Jesus experienced Satan's power to set him on the highest pinnacle of the temple. But the Lord Jesus did not feel Satan's hand on his back. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Satan what are you doing Sunday night? Join like Friendship with God Radio before. Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. So that we have the power to say no.